Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to another episode of the Ahmed Khan podcast. Today we have joining us Imam Yahya. Most of you are relatively familiar with him. If not, he is the Imam of Masjid al Salam. He has over a decade of experience helping individuals, couples, families, and colleagues manage conflicts. He is trained in collaborative conflict resolution at the Justice Institute of British Columbia. And he also serves as a marriage counselor. Thank you for joining us, Imam Yahya. Jazakumullah khairan, and it's a pleasure being here. Inshallah, this is one of the most uh, sought-after topics that I've been getting. Um, my audience is primarily people who are just married or about to become married, and they're wanting some advice on what what are some practical tips they can receive for having a successful marriage. We are living in the West where divorces are skyrocketing. And one of our scholars said, the idea that Muslims are not integrating is false. And the best way you can see that is we're integrating with the divorce rate. <laughs> and so um, this, this, this is at the crux of what most discussions around people in my uh, age group are having, the realm of marriage and how to make sure we have successful marriages. So. The first question I wanted to ask you, Imam Yahya, was in your realm of counseling, what seems to be the reason why marriages are breaking or why problems are arising? Yes, when it comes to problems that we see uh, in marriages, right? Um, you know, uh, once upon a time, um, our problems in marriages in the Muslim community, um, they were, uh, I would say they were, they were relatively simpler to deal with. So they were, you know, the average run of the mill problems with, uh, you know, communication with in-laws, um, you know, uh, small uh, disputes uh, within the household. And, you know, for the most part, of course, there are exceptions to that as well. Um, nowadays with, uh, with Muslims, uh, um, living in the West, right? And uh, um, that comes with, with everything that it comes with. So first of all, uh, one, one issue uh, that uh, young Muslims they face uh, in the West is that there is, there is a high likelihood that whoever they get married to um, are not going to be from the same ethnic background as them. And, uh, you know, um, what I have seen over the course of, uh, of many years is that although uh, there are... Um, you know there are many things that uh, that that are very similar just uh, due to the fact that we're all brought up and educated in this part of the world but uh, you know we are not as integrated as you would think right so um when i say that there are certainly still you know cultural practices that are specific to people of uh, of uh, ethnic groups that even though uh, they may be second or third generation uh, canadians they still have those practices and uh, you know one one very simple easy to understand example of this is uh, no matter whether you were born here or your parents were born here but if you were from a specific part of the world there is a very high likelihood that the food that is consumed in your household is still you know falls under the broad category of you know indian food or pakistani food or um you know the middle eastern food so so th th that's that's one so these uh, these these cultural uh 
I, I wouldn't call them clashes, but this this is you know um, this is something that that needs to be understood and expectations needs to be clear. Um, so the, that that's that's one problem that and we can talk about uh, any one of these mm -hmm. in detail. Uh, you just uh, point to which one, but the the cultural barriers to making a marriage successful is one. Um, Again, due to the rise in in education, um, once upon a time, uh, you know, um, gender roles in a marriage were were pretty, you know, well defined. That uh, it would usually be the case that the husband is the breadwinner and uh, the wife would be staying at home taking care of the children, and uh, that's that's sort of how things would work, um, because it's really expensive to live here. And also because, um, you know, our community, including our sisters, um, you know, the level of education has, alhamdulillah, improved alhamdulillah. Uh, uh, significantly over, over uh, previous generations. So naturally, that means that um, just to, to sustain the, uh, the expenses of the household, uh, to sustain a standard of living that uh, we have become accustomed to, um, uh, there, is, there is a very high likelihood that uh, both spouses will be working outside of the household that means both will be contributing financially to the household and then um, that would of course mean that these sorts of decisions uh, as to who is um, responsible for what portion financially and how uh, the the spouses are going to manage their finances is uh, is a bigger issue than you you may think right so uh, it's not as simple as opening a joint checking account and you know um uh, case closed right so uh, that's uh, that's issue number two um issue number three uh, that that i see uh, as uh, as uh, as as somewhat uh, of uh, of a concerning issue you is the the lack of and you know uh, you would expect otherwise but the lack of maturity uh, on the part of uh, um both brothers and sisters but however in in this particular area i would uh, i would focus more on the brothers and so i would say that uh, many brothers um they they don't seem to be familiar with um, you know, with what being a husband and a father entails and the responsibility that that, uh, that, that brings uh, with it, right? So uh, entering into marriage, that's, that's something that uh, um, it's best that you become aware of that sooner rather than later, right? So, um, you know, what I usually tell people is if you spend your entire weekend playing video games, uh, it doesn't matter how much money you're making, you're not ready to get married, mm. right? So that's... <laughs> That's uh, um, that's that's an oversimplification, but uh, that it uh, that is uh, that is there. Um, and then, of course, uh, there are specific problems and specific issues with uh, with uh, certain marriages. So sometimes people are not clear with uh, their trajectory in life. They don't talk about these sorts of things before they get married. Uh, things like um, you know. Uh, what is uh, what is their plan with regards to their children um, or even how many children they would like to have um, things like uh, you know um, what uh, what should be their focus as far as uh, their their goals in uh, in in their individual lives uh, are concerned and how those tie into the goals they've set for themselves as uh, um, you know uh, as as a couple uh, as a married uh, as husband and wife 
And uh, this, uh, you know, uh, an example of this would be, um, you know, if, if one of the two spouses has in mind that even after they get married, they intend on continuing their education, um, for for an extended period of time so from you know uh, completing a phd or you know uh, taking a second degree or whatever whatever that path would uh, uh, would take um then that is going to take up uh, a significant amount of the, their time and resources that would otherwise have been dedicated to uh, making um the marriage prosper so i'm not saying you can't um you know continue your education after you get married but it's probably something that you don't want to uh, drop that bomb after you get married and you'd probably want to talk about that um before you do right you know subhanallah you 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 know you mentioned this in, right at the beginning that you're mentioning all of these reasons and we can you know we could almost do a whole podcast on each of these topics that you've mentioned um, I, would, I would love to <laughs> um maybe we might have to do a series on this topic but so one of the ones that I want I want to focus on is this topic of ethnicity. So marrying outside of one's ethnicity in some cultures is frowned upon, whereas in mm -hmm. other cultures it's something which is um, praised. And as Muslims living in the diaspora, we're living in an environment which is multicultural. And so, mm -hmm. you know, you can be Pakistani, but your friends can be Arab, they can be Turkish, they can be Somalian, and all of this. And so. Now, many individuals believe that, you know, they have no issue marrying somebody outside of their ethnicity. From your experience, do you see this as being somewhat as a pathway leading to future conflicts in a marriage? Or is this something that if treated correctly at the onset during, you know, the premarital counseling, uh, counseling phase, that it isn't necessarily going to be an issue? Yeah, so uh, the, uh, again, um, when we talk about conflict, uh, th there is sometimes we're talking about conflict between uh, spouses and uh, um, even broader than that, uh, you know, uh, especially in the Muslim community, it's, uh, it's, it's quite literal that when you get married to someone, you are marrying the entire family. So sometimes it's not conflict uh, that is directly related uh, to, um, to issues or problems that the husband and wife are facing, rather other, um, you know, expectations um, of the extended family or the in-laws. So um, in, in my experience, the, you know, the, the conflict is far easier to manage between husband and wife if there is any and uh, you know um, if if you've done the if you've if you've laid the framework and if you've uh, done uh, you know the the pre-marriage work um, there there should be minimal conflict if expectations are clear um, uh, around uh, you know um, what is uh, what is and what is not necessary what's important as far as uh, uh, people's ethnic cultures are concerned um, so again, because Islam doesn't doesn't get in the way of uh, of individual uh, cultural practices as long as they uh, they are not in uh, in contradiction to our our faith values, right? So um, you know, to what extent does the does the couple wish to participate in the cultural practices of each other and their families? That's usually very easy to talk about. What's what's much harder is the you know managing the expectations of the family, 
right so for example in in certain cultures uh, it is uh, it is it is frowned upon um for for a woman to work outside of the, the household right mm -hmm. um even today right so in in certain areas of the world that that is that is something that that just doesn't happen or it's very uncommon um even um uh, the educated amongst the sisters um they they tend to still be homemakers or still reside within the home um so uh, you know sure the husband and wife can have that conversation before they get married um and uh, you know i keep mentioning that the need for conversations before you get married of course you know i'm referring to conversations that uh, that fall squarely within islamic guidelines right so uh, that that should just go without saying but uh, you know i think it needs to be said um so these conversations they uh, uh, they can have them but uh, it's it's very hard to have this conversation which each and every stakeholder right so um you know that's just something that uh, you know they should be prepared for and as long as they have clear expectations amongst themselves um you know they can they can present uh, uh, a sort of united front when uh, when when these issues they do come up and they will come up in the extended family so um you know uh, cooking is another issue so uh, that uh, you know in some cultures uh, it's the men who cook in some cultures it's the women who cook uh, in some cultures there's little cooking that goes on on. So, uh, you know, if uh, if the families are coming from different ethnic backgrounds and the culture in each of those backgrounds is is different, um, then, you know, that that may lead to uh, a little bit of a tug of war at times. But, uh, you know, that that's that's not entirely unexpected. And again, as long as the uh, the spouses are clear with regards to how how they want their household to function, then uh, the those those issues, they can be sort of nipped in the but as soon as they uh, they do arise. Mm -hmm. I was once speaking to uh, a marriage counselor um, on the same exact topic, and they said the exact same thing that you said. They said that if the spouses together are united and they've made their decision of what they're going to do, then irrespective of whatever you know external forces such as family have to say on the matter, as long as the two are united and working with one another, the issues don't seem the issues are not prominent and if they are they're quite minimal um so uh, it's great to see that you guys uh, um, had the same opinion on that matter but again uh, you talk about this idea of premarital counseling um mm -hmm. some people you know when people go into conversations like those um even in a halal manner there's often um confusion as to what type of questions people should be asking and a lot of people just feel like, you know, just the basics need to be asked. But, um, you know, uh, from your from your perspective, what are some of the questions that we should be asking in a situation like that? Yeah, so, you know, the, uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's very helpful to have somebody uh, sort of, um, you know, push that conversation along, especially in the Muslim community, uh, you know, what so what, uh, what so many people uh, that that are not familiar with, uh, with our way of life and, uh, you know, our values, as far as, uh, you know, uh, interaction with, uh, um, with, with the opposite gender is concerned, prior to marriage, um, you know, they can't, uh, uh, 
they, they may not be able to truly understand, uh, you know, why people just can't have this conversation, um, you know, over a period of uh, several years uh, as, uh, as they are, you know, as they're dating, right? So there is no real dating in Islam, right? So that's, uh, um, so this conversation uh, for Muslims, at least, um, you know, it's, it's, it may be awkward if you're meeting somebody only a handful of times uh, prior to marriage, asking them, you know, um, you know, uh, uh you know how many children you want to have right that's <laughs> can you imagine uh, uh, that sort of conversation so um what the muslim community has um they have uh, um you can uh, for young people they can they can basically take the help of uh, um of of either elders within their family um or if they choose to leave the family out of it um out of these conversations uh, then they can take the help of uh, of professionals within the muslim community that uh, that uh, that do this so for example um you know in in my practice we have uh, what we call a pre-marriage conference right so um it's uh, uh, the way that works is uh, uh, first there is there is an individual a meeting with each of the two uh, spouses in which a series of questions are asked um, uh, the, from from my end uh, or from whoever is asking the questions there and uh, that sort of uh, you know uh, gauge this uh, this this individual's. Um, ideas regarding key uh, elements uh, concerning marriage and uh, how that's going to work um, and uh, once uh, once that's that's in order uh, then the next thing that happens uh, is uh, there is uh, there is a sort of joint meeting um, and uh, you know uh, because I have I have worked with each of these uh, these two individuals personally before I kind of already have an idea of what they need to talk to each other about right so um, even if they are they are uh, too shy to bring it up themselves um you know i can i can sort of nudge that conversation that you know uh, uh, perhaps now we need to talk about you know um your future plans as far as education is concerned or perhaps now we need to talk about um you know x y and z or whatever it is right so this is this is something that's uh, that uh, that the, the help is there it's it's available for people and it's it's a worthwhile investment of time and resources and money um, to make uh, to to sort of get your marriage off on on the right start, right? And anybody who has uh, who has participated in in this sort of a program. Um, uh, that's they have they have always had uh, positive feedback, and for, for me, it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's one of the most uh, fun uh, uh, services that I provide because that's literally one of the only times that people are not fighting. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's Subhanallah. Um, in um, so essentially, what you, your role is just to um, look, you know, try trying to predict what what reasons may cause future conflicts correct uh, uh, not necessarily so uh, the the idea there is uh, uh, is to sort of uh, uh, to steer the conversation in uh, as far as not conflict but expectations around uh, you know what this marriage is going to look like because every successful marriage is uh, is not uh, a carbon copy of the other right so it's uh, um, you know there are many many successful marriages that look vastly different from uh, from each other right so um, what what your successful marriage is going to look like is largely going to be determined by uh, by what uh, each of your expectations are going to be.
Okay. Um, are you able to share an anonymous story of one of, of one of these uh, situations you've been in? <laughs> so uh, the, uh, the a story uh, with regards to uh, uh, a pre-marriage conference yeah. or uh, a mediation or uh, premarital, because <laughs> uh, that's kind of what we're focusing on right now. Yeah. So as far as pre-marriage, sometimes it's, uh, you know, uh, and this is like not one story. It's a combination of, uh, of many stories. Uh, people, sometimes they are very surprised, um, you know, when they find out that, uh, um, you know, their spouse has, has a wholly different, or their, their fiance or the person that they're engaged to, or they wish to get married to whoever it is, uh, they have a wholly different idea of, uh, you know, what the next 10 years is going to look like. Right. And, uh, when I say wholly different, uh, it's 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 like night and day, right? So for one uh, the spouse, it's uh, it's literally um, you know that they they do not intend to have uh, any children for the next ten years, right? And uh, <laughs> so uh, that's uh, um, the the funny thing is the the reaction sometimes of the the other party when they say this, um, especially when there is a little bit of an age disparity. Um, so uh, that. That uh, uh, there was, uh, I can tell you one story. There was a brother uh, who was, uh, I believe, he was in his uh, his mid thirties, and uh, uh, the sister was in her late twenties, and they were they were going to get married. And the sister had the idea that you know uh, she wishes to concentrate on her career for the next ten years, and uh, that. Uh, um, um, and basically, she doesn't want to start a family until after that time, um, which, you know, based off of her age, um, you know, was uh, was something that was fine uh, for them in that uh, that particular uh, situation. Um, uh, and uh, the brother, as soon as he heard that, uh, you know, I could I could see a level of concern on on his uh, on his faith and so uh, you know i asked him about it that you know that that seems to be something that you know uh, that you're concerned about and he said yes i'm sitting here uh, he was an accountant that i'm sitting here doing the math and he was literally counting uh, you know how many years it's going to take for him to have three children and then with with a little bit of a gap in between and whether you know based off of uh, the average life ex he was he was actually not just an accountant he actually was an actuary so uh, uh, the insurance field. So he's sitting there doing mathematical equations in his in his mind, whether uh, based off of the statistics uh, that he has, uh, that he will live to see his children get married. <laughs> so, uh, you know, from an Islamic point of view, maybe you don't want to, uh, you know, go go that far. But uh, that is something that, uh, um, you know, that that some people do. And, you know, again, uh, some people may be maybe hearing this and uh, um uh, thinking that uh, you know, uh, from an Islamic point, what is what is the ruling from an Islamic point of view uh, on starting a family and whether that should be done sooner rather than later? Um, in in uh, if somebody is asking my opinion regarding that, I can give them that advice. But uh, this uh, this sort of uh, um, you know this sort of service is not uh, them coming to an imam and asking his opinion, right? right. Uh, it's uh, it's their life and uh, the um, the the trajectory that they they wish to pursue and uh, you know the things that they they wish to accomplish in their own lives right so uh, sometimes uh, there is there is a very fine line um, between uh, between my role as an imam and a muslim scholar and my role as uh, as a service provider right? 
the, re- the reason I was smiling and I probably shouldn't be smiling is many, many, many of my closest friends, people close to me um, who have been divorced, have cited that specific reason mm-hmm. is that many, for some of them, they were, they got married at an early age. So they were about maybe like 21, 20. Um, they met, you know, the, the girl they married was around 19, like around the same age as them. And immediately she wanted to start a family. And he said, no, I'm not interested at least for the next, you know, six, seven, eight years. And that caused tensions within the relationship. And, um, you know, it's very, it's very interesting to see that uh, such a foundational, foundational question is completely neglected. Because I think oftentimes people just take it for granted that, um, you know, for some people, you know, it, it seems obvious that, you know, we're not in a position to have children yet. So we're going to wait. And on the other end, on the other hand, you have some people who feel like, you know, within my first year or second year, you know, we're going to have children. And um, it's very interesting to hear that that's one of the, that's what that, I don't want to say that's one of the core reasons, but that, but from your perspective, that's one of the big reasons why there's a lot of tensions. Definitely, that is something that, uh, that comes up far more often than, than you would imagine, um, you know. And now, of course, there, there are, uh, we can't uh, deny the fact that some people, um, you know, uh, Allah has tested them in, in, in this regard that they are not able to, despite wanting to, they are not able to have children, right? So, um, of course, uh, you know, in, in that context, uh, you know, we, we can, uh, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says inside the Quran that, uh, that he gives male children to some he gives female children to some some he gives both and some he doesn't give children um so for them the you know the thing about that is all of these scenarios allah is is listing and describing in the context of his bounty it, he's not saying that those who do not have children, they are somehow being punished, mm-hmm. right? That's uh, uh, this is this is an int- all of these scenarios are from the mercy and the bounty of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, including the scenario where someone is not blessed with children, right? So that is that is something that uh, you know. Uh, we as Muslims, we absolutely do not believe that somebody who does not have children mm-hmm. is somehow being punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But at the same time, um, you know, this expectation uh, that uh, we will immediately ha- start a family or try to start a family or that we will wait for a couple of years, it is, it is, uh, it is increasingly common for spouses to not talk about this and then have wildly different uh, perspectives mm-hmm. on on uh, the, on starting a family so uh, it's it's something that uh, you know i would list it as amongst my top five uh, areas of conflict right okay subhanallah um what else so now that we talked about you know ethnicity we've talked about this the premarital counseling um asking questions like these are there other questions because you know what i want to say right now is before you get married, you should seek premarital counseling. But the reality is most people are just not going to. Um, so I'm just trying to get all of the reasons, uh, all of the questions that people should be asking now within this podcast. And so it will give them some, uh, some clarity and stuff to ask um, uh, when, when they are interested in pursuing a spouse. So is there another thing that you think people should ask that are one of the reasons why we have conflicts in marriages? 
Yeah, so the, the uh, another specific to the Muslim community, or I believe any religious community, is um, you know the the level of practice, right? So what uh, the, that that the potential spouse, that how how um, how practicing are they? Right, and uh, not only how practicing are they, what are their challenges in terms of practicing their faith, and how do they are they content with their current level of religiosity, or do they intend to improve upon that? And the reason I say this is. Um, I have seen it both ways. So I have seen sisters marry less practicing brothers, um, you know, uh, in the hopes that, uh, you know, they will somehow manage to convince them to become more practicing. Mm -hmm. And I have also seen uh, brothers uh, marry uh, less practicing sisters in the hopes that after marriage, they will somehow, uh, you know, make them more practicing. Um, so, uh, you know, what I have to say regarding uh, uh, those, uh, those cases is that um, yes you know husband and wife first of all you are you know you are each other's partners in bettering yourselves in every aspect of your life no doubt however when it comes to religion specifically if you are not content with the current um, you know level of practice of your spouse then uh, you know you should not enter into that marriage with the expectation that you're somehow going to improve them because your spouse is not is not uh, you know your your little uh, side project that you're going to somehow you know in, in improve them right so if, if you are not content with the way uh, that you know she dresses right now or the length of his beard right now or how many salah this person performs right now or you know uh, how many times uh, this person goes to the masjid or you know uh, anything like that right so that's something that you want to have a very honest and frank conversation with some people um, you know it is it is a legitimate struggle for them right so, um, you know, they acknowledge that they are, uh, as most of us, we all acknowledge that we are deficient in our practice of, uh, mm. of our faith. Um, however, uh, as long as somebody is, uh, has that, uh, uh, the, the aspiration or the desire to improve, then that is, um, that is great, right? That is something that we can work with. However, if somebody, you know, if one of the spouses is completely happy with where they are in terms of uh, their relationship uh, with, with Allah and their practice of their faith, and the other is expecting that, you know, uh, just wait till we get married and, you know, uh, see how I'm going to change the way you dress and, you know, uh, the, how often you, you go to the masjid and, you know, uh, then that's, that's, that's inevitably going to lead to conflict, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I love this point because, you know, in my own realm of counseling, in terms of university students, there's always this belief that I can change the person and mm -hmm. that, yeah. And when it's brought up that other people's have not, uh, other people have failed in their attempt at changing people, they always say that, but I'm different, but I can do it. And this is in terms of their religiosity, in terms of their character, um, in terms of many different aspects, but from what you're, but the question I'm going to ask again is do people change after marriage? So people do change after marriage. Um, however, uh, so 
somebody's, especially somebody's religious upbringing, largely has to do uh, with the family that they grew up in, and uh, the the level of religiosity. Uh, this th this is why we always uh, concentrate on uh, on the tarbiyah of our children, right? Because in those foundational years, um, what children uh, the the level of uh, of practice they witness in their parents, um, and uh, you know. Uh, I might get in trouble for saying this, but in sp specifically in their mothers is something that uh, that stays with them lifelong. Right. Um, so this is something that, uh, you know, um, it, of course, we are all on a constant quest to improve. But, you know, uh, you and I, we know each other even outside of just this podcast. Right. Mm -hmm. So we we can uh, we can look at the Muslim community and uh, l let's look at the Muslim community on campus. Right. Without pointing to any specific university, the. The amount or the, the proportion of students on campus that are associated with the MSA or even not associated formally with the MSA, mm -hmm. but that show up to like Salah or, you know, that show up even just for Juma mm -hmm. or, you know, other uh, other events that even have uh, have anything even remotely to do with Islam or Muslims, right? Even like socials or something like that. That is a tiny, tiny, tiny uh, segment of the, uh, the Muslim student body, right? Would you agree with me there? Not at SFU. Um, <laughs> okay, then we just named the university. <laughs> um, not, not, at, not at SFU in specific, um, but in, in, most, in most universities, I completely agree with you. Yes. So now... Out of all of those people that that attend this, chances are that a good portion of them come from families that um, that have, uh, you know, that that we could, you know, because I, I hate classifying some families as religious and mm -hmm. other families as not religious, but families that are more practicing or that, mm -hmm. that identify, um, you know, with their faith more so than than other families, right? Mm -hmm. So th there is there's a there's a good chance of that, right? So um, you know, going back to the question that uh, you know, do people change? Yes, of course, people change. That you know, <laughs> that's if we if we weren't able to change, uh, then uh, you know uh, that that uh, you know all of these books that you see behind me and all of the books you see behind you and all of these uh, these uh, these goals that we have in our lives and all of the reading and study and uh, uh, you know all of the the charitable endeavors and all of that you know a lot of that has to do with <laughs> with changing yourself right mm -hmm. for the better. So if you know if we were just uh, you know uh, stuck with uh, who we are for the rest of our lives, then all of that would be futile right mm -hmm. so of course people change but you can't count on someone changing right mm -hmm. um so that's that's uh, that's a gamble right so that whether somebody changes or does not and do you really want to you know um stake the the entirety of your life and uh, you know your your family on um on that variable right mm -hmm. <laughs> something so important that uh, this person will he or will she change or not change right mm -hmm. so we can hope and uh, and make dua uh, that everyone changes, but uh, the the reality is that we should, uh, you know, we're working with what we have in front of us, mm -hmm. right? Especially when it comes to marriage. And if you're not content with with the way someone is right now, right, um, then uh, that's that's something that, in in my opinion, that that shouldn't go any further, right? Hmm. In a nutshell, people do change, but you don't want to base your entire relationship on the assumption that they will change. 
Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Correct. So the last thing I wanted to talk about was um, this idea of males lacking maturity because a large portion of my audience are males within the, the age range of around 18 to 30. Um, so with them, many of them are either they've just gotten married or they're on the doors to marriage. And you've mentioned this point of lack of maturity. Um, do you mind expanding upon that? How much trouble do you want to get in? <laughs> Listen, the doors are open to cause, you know, I think we are, we are at a point where we need meaningful dialogue, which, um, you know, if, if it's going to hurt people, it's going to hurt people's egos, um, but it's going to make change, then it needs to be said. So when it comes to why I think that brothers in particular lack maturity, uh, it has a lot to do with the dominant discourse in, in, in our, um, the dominant, uh, if you can call it, uh, very left-leaning discourse uh, in, in our society nowadays, where, um, you know, boys and, and young men are basically taught uh, from a very young age, and there is, you know, um, and that basically uh, they should tone down their masculinity, right? This is something that, um, that is, uh, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it's very very hard to even uh, you know say these things in a way that uh, uh, that will not get me hate mail but uh, you know they <laughs> they should tone down their masculinity and you know their masculinity is something that's toxic or it's something that uh, that needs to be um, you know that is that is some sort of a sickness uh, or you know some something that needs to be dealt with right mm -hmm. and basically uh, in an entire generation of young people grow up thinking that that, uh, you know, um, what the way that they have witnessed uh, their fathers and their grandfathers take care of their families, you know, be guardians and protectors of their families. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the way that, uh, um, you know, that, that manhood, right, mm -hmm. is something that is, that is, uh, that is looked down upon. Uh, it's something that, uh, um, you know, it's 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 something that uh, that increasingly people people are uh, you know they they have problems with right. So and then you have all of these terms that that people seem to concoct overnight of you know um, you know uh, I can give you one very simple example right mm -hmm. um, that uh, um, you know I grew up here in Canada right and it was literally etiquette that was taught to 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 young men. Right, um, and I'm not even talking about Muslims, right? Just mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. is general, right? So you know everybody, right? That you know um, when you go somewhere, it's always ladies first, right? And you know if there's a woman behind you, then you hold the door open for her, right? Mm -hmm. That this is you know this was just something that was etiquette, exactly, was yeah. that everybody was taught that you know. And whereas nowadays, you know, many people would label that as as a microaggression that you know I, I <laughs> so. <laughs> So yep. what all of this results in, right, is uh, is an entire generation of young men. Um, we're focused on the Muslim community. This is yep. a problem even outside of the Muslim community that are that are you know, uh, to put it simply, that are confused, right? <laughs> they, they are con 
confused and uh, when they are so of course uh, they are men they cannot change who they are biologically um we don't believe um or at least mainstream sunni islam uh, doesn't believe in uh, you know in all of the um i i can't even count how many genders we have mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know uh, the, we, we believe there are there are only two um and uh, you know if you're if you're biologically a man right but you are told that you cannot act like a man um what what exactly are you going to do you're not going to act like a woman right mm-hmm. uh, whatever that means but <laughs> you know this is uh, basically this this entire generation of, uh, of of young men they are confused they don't know what it means uh, to be uh, you know to be honorable uh, to 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 have honorable values uh, they don't know what it means they don't know what it means to be a man right mm-hmm. And, and uh, uh, ironically, uh, the same people that that push them uh, to to tone down their masculinity are the ones that complain uh, that they are married to someone uh, who mm. cannot stand up for them. They are married to someone who doesn't like to provide for them. They are married to someone who's not an ideal role model for their children. Uh, well, of course they're not, right? So <laughs> that's uh, um, you know, it, it's not to take away blame entirely from uh, from the young men themselves. But they they were conditioned and they do did grow up in a society that punished them for for their masculinity, right? Subhanallah, so many so many amazing points that you mentioned there. Um, but definitely, we do live in an age where uh, our our males our our males are becoming more feminine, and there's a whole conditioning, a whole sociological framework aimed at creating feminine men um, and trying to remove masculinity as if it's something that's toxic. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but this, you know, there's a lot of debate, uh, not among the scholarly class, but among the average Muslims on the, the tafsir, on the meaning of and I've heard some wild interpretation from some of these people coming from the far left of what this verse actually means. Um, do you mind giving just a brief tafsir on what this, uh, this specific part or what it means? Right. So, you know, um, any, you know, any system in order for for it to function, it requires a hierarchy. Right. So, uh, you know, I know that we're in this whole, you know, uh, uh, post-colonial, post-modern, um, you know, phase of, uh, of our existence where, you know, we want to decolonize everything and we want to, you know, dismantle all systems of hierarchy and, uh, you know, whatnot. But the reality is that, you know, for, for the entirety of, uh, of our civilization, there has always been hierarchy and there always, you know, in order to maintain a, a sense of order, there needs to be, there needs to be, you know, uh, a system of governance where, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, someone is in charge, right? Mm-hmm. So who that someone is going to be, uh, in uh, in the words of Allah, uh, in as uh, when where the family is concerned, that is going to be the, the man. He is going to be the head of the household. Now, um, what you have over there is also a misunderstanding on the part of men, mm-hmm. right? Some men they assume that you know when Allah is saying that I am I am in charge of the household, that means that you know nobody can make a squeak in my house without mm-hmm. my approval, right? So that's that's not what that means. Like a dictator. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so what, what that means is that this man, he is literally, he is responsible to make sure that under his roof, in his household, in the, uh, you know, amongst his family, he is responsible that the laws of Allah are obeyed. Right. And uh, Islam is practiced. The things that Allah and his messenger have prohibited, uh, they 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 are not practiced in his household. And basically, uh, the children of his household are, are taught what it means to be a Muslim. They are taught their Islam. They are taught the fundamentals of their faith. And basically, they live their lives as Muslims. And this is the responsibility of the head of the household. Right. So. Um, that that's literally what that means it also means uh, you know it, it uh, you you can go as deep as you would like the scholars of fiqh mm -hmm. discuss this verse as well uh, and they extrapolate from there that it is the responsibility primarily of the the man of the household to take uh, to look after all of the financial um you know uh, to to bear the 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 financial responsibility of his entire household right mm -hmm. um so uh, that's that's also there um so so that, that's literally what that means. Now, you know, if somebody has a problem with this, uh, now, uh, the, I, I will add one thing over there, right? So when we when we look at Islam or any other religion for that fact, right? So we should be we should be judging, or it's not really our job to judge anything. But you know, if if we were to analyze something, we would be analyzing um, the the source material or the the text of that. Um, uh, of that understanding and not the, the actual, you know, application of that as far as Muslim men are concerned. Are there terrible Muslim men out there? No doubt there are. Mm. Are there terrible Muslim women out there? Of course there are, right? <laughs> so, you know, uh, taking this verse and saying, oh, look, you know, so-and-so who appears to pray five times a day and, uh, you know, um, he appears to be a practicing Muslim, but, you know, he he's, uh, you know, um, he's, his household is, is very dysfunctional because he thinks that he's in charge and nobody can come and go mm -hmm. without uh, without his uh, express written consent then that's <laughs> that's not the fault of the religion that is the fault of that man's interpretation or application um uh, and this is uh, you know what what i like to remind people of is this is the system of allah right so you know who are you really, you know, if you don't like this system, or if you have issues with this, this system, then who are you angry with? Are you angry with, with me because I said it? Or are you angry with the generations of Muslim scholars who male and female that held this understanding? Or are you angry at Allah? Uh, because this is, uh, this is uh, the, the law of Allah, right? So, you know, um, when it comes to our, our principles and our values, they are derived from the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the understanding of, uh, of the generations of Muslim scholars that, uh, that came before us. These are our first principles. They are our, you you know, they are our faith, our values, and this is the way that we see things work. And, uh, you know, uh, the beauty of this, right, the beauty of this is that we're, you know, we can be concerned with uh, things that matter, right, the, uh, in, in our lives, and making a meaningful impact, uh, and spreading uh, the, the message of Allah and his Rasul, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to those around us, and we don't need to be concerned about reinventing the wheel every, you know, uh, every 20 or so years, right, so, um, you know, uh, that we don't need to spend the entirety of our lives deconstructing everything, and uh, only in an attempt, uh, you know, to, uh, to make a, a half construction before you and I, we leave, and uh, the next generation 
generation of people, they come and they tear that down and they spend half of their lives deconstructing what we constructed and then reconstructing something else only to then leave and then the cycle repeats itself, right? We have a timeless, timeless uh, construction of, uh, of the foundations of, uh, um, of, of governance when it comes to, um, you know, the, our family structure and, you know, we don't need to touch that. That is something that Allah has given us. This is, this, these are his laws, these are his rules. And, uh, you know, that's, um, that's what that verse means, right? <laughs> now, if, if, uh, uh, if, you know, that's, I, I don't really have much else to say about that. I don't have uh, a lot, as you can probably tell, I don't have a lot of sympathy for reinterpreting the Quran, uh, or actually, I don't have any sympathy for reinterpreting the Quran based on uh, current uh, societal uh, flavors of the month, right? So that's, uh, that's, that's my view on that. Subhanallah, I, you know, there's, there's nothing I can say to add on to that. I think you've beautifully articulated the, the need for hierarchies, the need for there to be a leader. You know, whenever you see two businesses coming together, there's always one business that takes the lead, one person who becomes a leader. And I love the fact, you know, just reiterating what you mentioned, you know, yes, there are men out there who do um, hijack the religion, hijack certain verses to their own, uh, for their own benefits. And unfortunately, there are women who, you know, are being oppressed by um, under the, you know, the guise of religion because of this misinterpretation of these verses. But um, so by no way, but by no means are we um, trying to, um, you know, hide those, those instances. They do occur. Um, uh, but, you know, that's, it's a, that's an excellent point. And I'm glad that we've had a qualified imam give us, you know, an interpretation of that verse, which honestly should not be controversial, but because of this postmodern 21st century age, where all of these rights are being told to us, and, you know, we become confused, like you mentioned, and, you know, it's very interesting to hear that these males are becoming confused by, you know, this idea that masculinity is toxic. And then for the, and the exact same women, that are condemning toxic masculinity are the same ones who are condemning their own husbands um, or the men in their community for not being real men. You know, it is, uh, you know, it, it is, it is far greater of a problem um, that, you know, because uh, most average Muslims, um, you know, they, uh, they don't really keep tabs on, you know, wider, forget Muslims, most average people, they don't really keep tabs on, you know, um, on, on societal trends and, you know, what's going on and they don't try to have, uh, you know, uh, uh, a sort of bird's eye view of what's going on. It's only, you know, nerds like me and you that try to do that, um, that try to do that, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, but it is, it is, it is a huge problem. It's, mm -hmm. it's a huge problem in the Muslim community. Um, and, uh, you know, if this is not addressed, if this is not talked about, um, if, if people are allowed to, to get away with this, you know, basically um, stealing the masculinity of, uh, of an entire generation of, of young men, then that is, uh, um, you know, the, the, it's it's the ummah and the community, including the sisters, including the uh, the you know, it's it's everyone. The entire community is going to suffer um, that uh, the, as a result. So it's something that uh, that should be talked about, should be addressed, and. Uh, um, I know there are scholars um, uh, that uh, in the states and. Uh, um, 
and in other parts of the world that uh, that speak about the concept of rujula um, or chivalry uh, in islam right this so you know when uh, where you know when the word chivalry is used uh, in in a western context um sometimes that is uh, again uh, people just uh, uh, shut off as soon as they hear that word that this is this is a very toxic word uh, this uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. however, there, there is an islamic concept of chivalry uh, and this is something that uh, you know should be taught to our children uh, that our young men right so you know islamically uh, you know we we wish to teach our our daughters uh, what it means to be a muslim woman and at the same time uh, we also want to teach uh, what it means to be a strong muslim woman and we also want to teach our young boys what it means to be a strong muslim man right so that's uh, and i i think that's a beautiful note to end on um sheikh Dawood walid who's based in michigan teaches a course to Muslim men on Futuwa. And um, it seems like, you know, from hearing your testimonies and also from hearing his testimonies, you know, this is a huge topic that needs to be taught both, you know, primarily to our to, to our men, but also to our women, that they should all, they should, they should also understand, you know, what a husband should be, what a man should be. And so um, I think, inshallah, that will be a future, uh, a future podcast with Sheikh Dawood Walid. Um, you know, a topic like this is so massive. We could, we could have probably done a whole series on this and we might end up doing a series on this in the future, inshallah. Um, but I think with that, um, we'll conclude for today. Um, if you have any final thoughts, Imam Yahya, you're speaking to the community here. You have this platform. Um, are there any last words you want to say to the community on this topic? Well, I think, uh, you know, we've uh, we've covered a lot and, uh, um, you know, it, I... I, for one, am, am always willing to engage in meaningful dialogue with, uh, even with those who, who may not share the same views as me, um, as long as, again, um, uh, there, there are, of course, certain uh, lines <laughs> that, uh, that uh, I, myself, or, or, any, or any Muslim, um, that any would, would never cross. Uh, but uh, for the most part, as long as uh, the, the, the dialogue is respectful, and it comes from a place of genuine concern um, and uh, um, we can agree that our guiding principles uh, are uh, the, the word of Allah and the sunnah of his prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and uh, the, the understanding of, uh, of uh, our salaf, the generations of scholars that have come before us. Many people, they, they neglect to add that part um, uh, in an attempt to sort of reinterpret the word of Allah and reinterpret the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Um, so uh, be aware that you know, uh, as as a Muslim scholar, that is that uh, that third aspect, the understanding of the, the the generations of scholars that have come before us, is something that we will never discard, right? So uh, this is this is our tradition. That's how it's reached us, and uh, you know, this is this is basically what differentiates us uh, between uh, between uh, b- what differentiates us and every other discipline, right? That uh, you know, we take from from a sound chain of transmission going all the way back to the Prophet wasallam, in which there is a diversity of opinion, but uh, it is there, right? And mm-hmm. it is always grounded in faith. Uh, so as long as our discourse can follow these principles, I'm, you know, I'm more than happy uh, that if, uh, even if people disagree with me, that uh, that they are will that they engage in in a meaningful conversation. Right? Mm. Exactly. And, you know, the objective with a podcast like this is to have these meaningful conversations. 
is to touch on t- uh, subjects which um, unfortunately people don't want to speak on because they're deemed controversial. But um, you know, irrespective of whoever we disagree with, there's no uh, dehumanizing, there's no demonizing. Uh, it's just a matter of difference. And you know, we pray that you know the entirety of our community can come together. Um, and we always remain sincere that you know perhaps we might be wrong on a matter. And so we always have one ear open on the matter. So Jazakumullah khairan, Imam Yahya. Inshallah, looking forward to uh, the next time we have this conversation. Um, inshallah. And with that, we will conclude. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.